You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls. This is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon, no longer tiptoeing around the tulips of tradition. We're going right into the actual issues that faced, the people are faced with. We're in Isaiah chapter 51, and I don't know how, I don't know how, I'm going to get out of this without getting to some of those landmines in the Bible. That's right, folks. <laughs> We've been in Isaiah. We're in Isaiah series right now. We are in the middle of an Isaiah series. We've got a few more left. And I'll tell you something. It's, uh, it's like a maze for me. And, uh, you know, I, I have to confess, there's been a lot of interpretation, misinterpretation, back and forth about this stuff. I just only hope that when we get to the verse, if we ever get to it, which I don't think we will. That we will stay within language, history, and context, What's which has verse? been whatever one I come to that may be oh. scary. It might be, okay. you know, because people pick and choose what what the verses are going to be here. You know, we don't pick Who, and choose who's the people. The people, the traditionalists, they they came through and said this is connected to this. And Look, we've got. This is can we talk about the elephant in the room? We go up to fifty. We start fifty one twelve, and it goes until fifty two twelve. What? And literally the next verse, which is fifty two thirteen, begins the section. Of the famous section, which you know Christians talk about Isaiah fifty three, but Isaiah fifty three actually begins in fifty two thirteen, and exactly a verse before the beginning, they the whoever chose this section, the rabbis, they stopped. And is this a conspiracy? Can and why we talk did they about stop? That? And why did they stop? Why did they stop? No, they saw the hand that said stop, and so they stopped. No, <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Look, okay. here's the point. I want to yeah. say this. Yeah. I want to say this right from the beginning. If, 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 if Nehemiah, we've worked very hard together on this. Yeah. We've done 40 some of these things. You have full yeah. uh, authority, permission. I have full. For, if you want to continue to whatever you want to do, whatever, I'm just going to make sure no, that no, no. at least. So I'm talking about in the traditional section, why do they stop? Why do they stop at just before Isaiah 53, which is the key passage for Messianics and, and, and Christians? And I'll tell you what I've heard. Again, this is you know me referring to back what, what I've been presented with by Christians and Messianics who have argued, look, in the sections they do Isaiah 51, 12 to 52, 12. The very following week, they do Isaiah 54, 1 through 10. And what they skip in the middle is the suffering servant. And, and they actually give the impression that, oh, they read the entire book of Isaiah. This is the impression these people give. Um, but the rabbis decided to skip this one chapter because they didn't want the Jews to know what was in it. This is what I've heard. Mm. And, and, and I want to offer another alternative explanation. Um, of why the rabbis skipped Isaiah 53, and I think it's very simple. One of the things I said, was it last week? Whenever it was, remember I said there are seven sections which are called the sections of comfort. Mm -hmm. It's between Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, the day on which the rabbis say the temple was destroyed until Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Turah, the day of uh, trumpets. Um, For the rabbis, it's the new year. Um, Those seven Shabbats are sections in Isaiah that have nothing to do with the Torah portion, but they're sections of comfort from Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason the rabbis skipped Isaiah 53. It wasn't comforting to them. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it's because there are blinders on their eyes. You could argue that. But they read Isaiah 53 and said, yeah, didn't do anything for us. Move on. Um, Now, now why did this section that we're mm -hmm. reading comfort them? Because it says the first words, Anochi, Anochi. I, I am he who is your comforter. So mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, what, I, what I actually um, yeah. like is that we, from the very beginning of Prophet Pearls, we acknowledge the fact that the sections were not right. inspired. They were picked um, as a connection to the Torah portions. 
I was still I was still been uh, baffled by this as far as all these in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You explained what was going on there. You know, I wish they would have let me uh, pick the the sections. The Deuteron- <laughs> yeah, for these last sections, I would have picked something a little different. Okay. Um, but listen, let me tell you one thing that I like, and we are at fifty one twelve, folks. Those that are mm-hmm. those that are following with us, and I do. You know, I found it was interesting. This thing, Anochi, Anochi, uh, three times, Isaiah 43, 11, Isaiah 43, 25, Isaiah 51, 12. All three times are in Isaiah. And the first one is, Anochi, Anochi, I am Yehovah. Uh, and so there is no Anochi, Anochi means. Yeah, I'm going to, look, do we're, I, we're can I, to. can I explain? I'm in the middle of my. Please explain it. Stru- no, first, look, first I'm going to say this. So, so the one is Isaiah 43, 11. The second one is Isaiah 43, 25, Anochi, Anochi. Uh, I am the one who, and, and what they'd say here is wipes out, wipes out your transgressions. And then fifty one twelve, Anochi, Anochi, He is the one, or I am the one, He who who comforts you. And this is what we just talked about. And the word Anochi is I, and so we have I, I. So we've got it's like it's like he's saying I, but it's emphasis I. Even I is what it says in English, but here it's I, I. I'm the one that does this. Three things. I am the one. There is no savior. I am the one who wipes out transgressions. I am the one who comforts you. And so when I see that, I get kind of excited because I'm reminded immediately of how Yehovah introduced himself of the 10 matters. He uses Anochi. I am Yehovah, your God. And so, like I said, when I'm, when I'm, I don't know why it is that Isaiah is the only one that has this. I mean, unless you can find something, maybe you can tap, tap, tap. So, for, so here's the interesting thing in biblical Hebrew. Mm-hmm. There's two different words for I. Mm-hmm. There's the word anochi, which is the more formal word. Mm-hmm. And the words, there's the word ani, which is slightly less formal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the same thing, by the way, with we. There's mm-hmm. anachnu and there's anu, mm-hmm. um, which is this abbreviated form. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 39, he says, See now, for I, I am he, and mm-hmm. there's no God with me. And that's ani, ani. And the reason you didn't find it is it's ani, ani. Mm-hmm. you got to look for both. Mm-hmm. And then again, Isaiah 48, 15, he says, Ani, ani, dibalti afkirativ. I, I spoke, and I uh, even called him. And then Hosea chapter 5, verse 14 says, Ani, ani, etrof elech esav ein matzil. Mm. I, I will, um, will uh, you know, describing God here as a lion. Mm-hmm. I will uh, um, attack and I will go, and none shall save from me. Um, yeah. yeah. So we have it these three times, plus how many times did you have? Three. Three. So we've got six. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, now you've got to find the seven. Now the point, the point, <laughs> the point is is that when I read that first part and he says that, mm-hmm. I and I, or I, I, and then it says, what is, what, is, what is the follow-up from that? Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? And of the son of man who is made like grass. In other words, if... It's like, I'm the one, I, you know, and again, if we look at each time that he talks about this, at least in Isaiah, he has these three different things he says, I am, I, 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 I'm sorry, Anochi, Anochi. And then he says, who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? And of the son of man, who, this is the beginning, the beginning of this prophet pearls. Oh, 51, 12. Okay. Yeah, so you're yeah. back there. I thought you were jumping all over. No, 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 right. no. Just systematic. Okay. That you have forgotten. Yep. Oh man, I love this. I love this phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in English here, and I'm in the NASB, uh, it says that you have forgotten uh, Yehovah, <laughs> the one who makes you or your maker, uh, who stretched out the heavens and laid out the fire. Anytime we talk about the stuff that he does or he's done as it pertains to creation, it just seems so massive and so big, especially when you think about what we know about the universe, not what we don't know, just about what we know about the universe and how large and how big and how amazing it is and the earth and the foundations of the earth and the heavens and all of that. 
I just get excited when he says, I'm the one that does it. I'm the maker. I'm the I'm the creator. I'm the one that did it. And I mean, look. I'm the maker. I'm the baker. and the candlestick maker. <laughs> so I want to go back to verse 12 because yep. you're running past it. Yep. So he says, I, I am he, menachem chem. Mm-hmm. And that should be our word of the week because mm-hmm. uh, it's from the root nechemia. Uh, the root Nacham. You're clearly man. tired. No, we started out with you saying about the said that it was I'm, him who comforts. But I want to follow this up. Is, we just didn't. I'm tired, but I, want, I didn't get to share my whole spiel about it. Oh, come, 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 okay. okay. So Nunchet Mem is comfort, mm-hmm. and Minachem is the comforter, mm-hmm. and Minachem Chem is your comforter. Uh-huh. Um, and that's Mem Nunchet Mem Chaf Mem. Minachem Chem. Now, when I hear this, the first thing that comes to mind, and, and no doubt in my mind, the rabbis who chose this yeah. section, what came to their mind is Lamentations one sixteen, uh-huh. where it says, um, Over these do I cry, my eye, my eye goes down with water, water goes down my eye. For far away from me is the menachem, the comforter, mm. who restores my soul. And the rabbis understood this to refer to the Messiah. And that, that uh, Jeremiah was look, you know, was seeing the destruction of the temple and, and singing this lamentation, the book of Lamentations, Echa. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, wow, man, this is bad. The temple has just been destroyed, and the Messiah is really far off. He's you know hundreds, maybe thousands mm-hmm. of years away. Um, and so that's interesting. Here in ver- in fifty one twelve, the Menachem is Yehovah, yeah. and in Lamentations one sixteen, it's the Messiah. Um, here's some homework for people: go look at Luke two twenty five. In the New Testament, which speaks about the Messiah as the comforter. Mm. Um, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's my comforter issue. Okay. I'm talking about. Yeah. So, okay. And I'm Nehemiah, and this is Menachem. Yeah. My father could have called me Menachem, but he didn't. Uh, yeah. Do you know anyone named uh, Menachem? I, I do. Yeah. Actually, there's um, there was a rabbi who died in 1994 whose name was Menachem. Mm-hmm. And his disciples to this say, he, say he's the Messiah. And what's the proof? That his name is Menachem Comforter. <laughs> so when they say this guy named Menachem Begin, is that the same name? Oh, that's the same name, yeah. Yeah. The Exile. Can I say that? What verse are you in? Fourteen. Oh, I'm going to make you read this if you don't keep no, up, no, and I'm dead serious. No, no, what verse? no, no. We just, just thirteen and fourteen. Thirteen. I just read thirteen, and then you said you wanted to go back to twelve. Now you said want... no, not going fourteen. Okay. <laughs> the Exile will soon be set free. And will not die in the dungeon. Now, boy, they must be know where we're doing profit pearls. Folks, let me tell you something. Are we in the dungeon? <laughs> we are in the dungeon. So there's an apartment, there's the ground level, and then there's a basement, and then there's a sub-basement. How do I know it's the sub-basement? It's the only apartment down here. And that's where we are. By the way, I want to say thank you to Bonnie and Oli. These two are sponsoring us. These are hey, Bonnie and Oli. sponsors. And I, you know, I don't often talk about you know what people do and stuff like that, but Bonnie was really... Um, uh, instru- instrumental in terms of inviting us out to um, as invited us out. Now we were out there together. Was it two times or three times out to uh, in Oregon? Many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's an amazing. And they've got every year this annual wonderful yeah. Sukkot event over. And in what Canby, do they Oregon. call it? It's in Canby, Oregon. And and I'm not sure what the name is, but let me just say this. And I'm, I'm please, I, I get me in trouble if I'd like to. But I want to say to Bonnie and Oli, thank you so much for being Profit Pro sponsors. Thank, partners, thank you for what you've done in terms of in, introducing us, and, and it's, an, it's a great event. I have to say, for um, for Sukkot, it, it's it's hard to get any better than what they do out in yeah, Canby, it's, Oregon. It's, it's just yeah. amazing. So, in fact, this past year we did five Sukkot events, and we um, did do five. It was five. we did we did five. Yeah, and we stopped and, there. And only I for absolutely a day. loved this event we yeah, did it's in, a, it's in, amazing. Um, in Canby, Oregon. So, wonderful, thank you so wonderful, much. Such wonderful people. Yeah. So we are in the dungeon, but we do thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie and Oli. 
for supporting us. And actually, they support us on a couple more also. But um, it says that in the dungeon, nor will his bread be lacking. Now, let's see. The exile will soon be set free. No, and will not exile I, here. That's why I know what verse you're reading. Yeah, okay. So you didn't understand. So this is homework. Go read verse 14 in several different translations. Find out what it says. And actually, let me say this say. to people. Hopefully what you are doing is you've got... You've always got at least two, at least, at least two translations, you know, and I, I, I really, I love to have, you know, I love the NIV from the perspective of the language in terms of, of modern language. I don't like it so much in terms of its, um, uh, some of its decisions it makes with, um, with, with, with translation. I like the NASB because it seems to me, and oftentimes it seems to be more wooden. And when I say by wooden, it tries to go like word by word. By no means is the NASB, you know, looking at the Hebrew and getting exactly word for word. But I find a lot of times that, um, it does a pretty good job of, of not smoothing things over it quite as much as the NIV. But I like to have a couple open like that, maybe even the KJV or the JPS. And that just gives you another chance to look and see what people are doing. And even if you don't always know exactly what the original is, you can kind of know what the issues are. I, that's what I appreciate about looking mm. at different um, okay. translations. Anyway, this one, look at least three or four translations. This is this is a really interesting one. And, and can I tell people the real answer? No. It's this word that's very difficult to translate. <laughs> yes. And um, they weren't sure what it meant, and I'm not sure what it means. Yeah. That's why they gave such like wildly different things. Okay. Awesome. So people can do that and then make a comment? Can they come Please come to nechemiswell.com, bfinternational.com. Post what you found about Isaiah 5114 and about anything else. Mm. Everyone out there has homework. Everyone listening to this must post at least one comment on nechemiswell.com or bfinternational.com. Mm. Comment, thought, prayer. Something related to this passage. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to know why in the English they give us a parentheses, a parentheses in this next verse, the NASB. I don't the know. NASB yeah, does I this. It says, for I am Yehovah, your God, who stirs up the sea and the waves the roar. And then there's a parenthetical statement. Yehovah Tzavuot, or the Lord of hosts is his name. Oh, it's because he's speaking at the beginning of verse 15. And then he's in third person at the end of verse 15. And so that's why it's in parentheses. Absolutely. All right. Good deal. And why is this really happening? Um, meaning parentheses doesn't really explain it. So it's the prophet speaking. Mm-hmm. And the prophet, and then in verse 16 again, he says, you know, Asim and I, and I put. So wait a minute. How is he he if he's I? And that's because the prophet kind of like in the middle of his prophecy, he's speaking Yehovah's words. And all of a sudden he stops and he says, Yehovah of hosts is his name. Mm. Who's this I we're talking about? In case mm. you don't know, the prophet fills you in on it. Mm. I put my words in your mouth and have covered you this shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth, and to say these words in Zion. Amiata. Now, let me tell you something, Nehemiah. Yeah. I could do a really funny thing if I wanted to. Please. I could go move in and out, give a little English, give a little Hebrew, give a little English, give a little Hebrew, and completely confuse you. Now, we were eating lunch today, folks. I'm going to put my friend on the spot. Yes, uh-huh. I am. Yeah. We were eating lunch today, and we were talking about um, what, what what has been a continual frustration for me. And the continual frustration for me is that we we have people that will that will sort of move into wanting to say, okay, we want to use some aspects, say, of the original language, uh, Hebrew or the ancient sources, not really know what it is, but then it's like almost care, like holding. Um, how can I put this? Like uh, having a grenade and not knowing that they pulled the pin. And so there are these examples where I I was sharing with Nehemiah where where I had a one situation where I was telling a man, listen, do you know what the phrase means that you're about to use? And he and and he said no. And I was like, well, let's just first start with that. And and ended up that he didn't listen to me. And he went on to do what he's doing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, and whatever he got it wrong. But then you found this translation, Nehemiah. And I don't know what to do except to just say, I'm still baffled. 
Yeah. I'm baffled by this translation because you read some of it to me. It's in English and Hebrew and Yiddish and something else. Well, so here, here can you tell me? Yeah, so it's this translation called the Orthodox Jewish Bible, and the and Orthodox wrote it. No. Okay, so it was, it was oh, put, put wait, out wait, by. No, no, no! Don't say anything else. Yeah. Just a second. Wait, no. So, so the name of the Bible is what? The Orthodox Jewish Bible. Okay, so so you told me about this Bible, and I'm thinking, okay, so let me see what the Orthodox Jews did with this translation, and then you dropped a bomb on me. It, and what was the bomb? It, it was a guy from the Assemblies of God who made it. Okay, let's take. I'm thinking, let's take a look at it. Yeah. So, 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 could you do me a favor? I don't know if you've even got that. They have it online here at BibleGateway.com. Can you go to Isaiah chapter 51? Um, and can you Which go to it, the one I, the one that I just used, 5115? I want to I use this, and, and, and I want to tell you what, what, what... Okay, let me not say anything. Would you be willing to read the translation in 5115? Sure. Yeah. Just that verse? Yes. Okay. And this is from, the, again, the Orthodox Jewish Bible with... Isn't Orthodox and isn't Jewish and... But wait, and they're doing this for what reason? Uh, Clearly, to try to convert Jews who, who you know, I mean, in other words, if you're a Jew and they come with you to, uh, you know, with the King James Bible, you're not, it doesn't it doesn't resonate with you. It, it sounds it sounds like a Gentile translation, mm-hmm. and they come with you with the Jewish translation, and oh well, it doesn't say what they want it to say. Hmm. So what they've done is they've twisted the translation to say what they want it to say, and then they threw in some Hebrew words to make Jewish people feel comfortable. With so what can you reading. tell us? Give, give us and, that and, verse. And here's what's ridiculous about it. To me, what, what kind of insults my intelligence is they've mixed Israeli Hebrew, Ashkenazic Hebrew, Yiddish, King James English, and modern English. Well, I'm going to have to do two verses then. Okay. I'm going to have to do two <laughs> verses. I want you to do 15 and 16. First, I'm going to read the NASB. Sure. For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea and the waves. Are you with me, folks? Roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. I've put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth, and to say design. You are my people. 15 and 16. Can you read it? But I have Hashem. <laughs> I can't even read this straight phrase. But I am Hashem Elohecha, who stirs up the yam, whose waves roar. Hashem Tzvaos Shemo. And I put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the cell of mine at Yad, that I may set Shomayim in place, and lay the foundations of Eretz, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. So really, you're going to mix... Ashkenazic no, no, there's an example. Hebrew, no, that's an example and, where I can't. And King James English. I'm sitting and, and I'm listening. And I'm saying, okay, some some parts. No, some parts of it. No, no, I mean, so some parts of it are are, are Hebrew, like like I guess some. some They're Ashkenazic Hebrew, that, which is what Jews in America traditionally have um have have spoken or read. What I grew up reading, as opposed to Israeli Hebrew, but this has actually a mix of both. So, for example, it says Hashem Tzvaos Shemo. Tzvaos is the Ashkenazic pronunciation of Tzvaot. Um, and what's Hashem? Well, that's if you're Orthodox Jew, you'd be offended by Yehovah, so I'll give you Hashem. Um, but think, I mean, look at this phrase. I have covered thee in the cell of mine Yah. That's KJV. That's KJV. That's a mix of KJV and Hebrew and Israeli Hebrew. And because of it, because of its Ashkenazic Hebrew, it's not Yad, it's Yod. So while, <laughs> like, like, do they even know what they're doing? And then it's Shomayim, which is the Ashkenazic Hebrew. Um, I, I mean, really. This, so this, let me ask you a question. If I handed you this Bible and said Nehemiah, I, I, I this is. I can I say something even more radical? Can, can we jump ahead and read Isaiah fifty three? Can you hold it? Can I don't, you hold I don't it know if the, I can. Okay, I'll hold it. Please, will you bring this back? Because here's I, read, was, I, I want you to read fifty three. I want you to read fifty three, but I want you to read fifty three from the Hebrew. I want you to read it from here. I want you to pick an English. 
When we get to 53, we're, listen. Oh, we're not getting to 53. It's not part no, of we're going to get to the 53. No, no. <laughs> it's not part of the section. I know, but I'm saying at the end, we're going to have to. <laughs> we'll do something there. Well, the reason, okay, tell you what, Nehemiah, you got one shot. You want to do 53 now no, or no, you want to no, do no, it later? We'll, we'll hold on to it. Okay, thank you. That's what I thought. All right, so listen, that's just an example where yeah, time. Where, I, where I say, where I say, yeah. and, and in all seriousness, where I told you what started the conversation is that sometimes it does break my heart, yeah. where there's people that really have a desire to want to know some of this stuff. And I, can I be clear about something? Sometimes we're laughing about it, and we're not laughing at, how can I say this? Some things, are, I said it today at lunch, it's on the border of ridiculous. This is beyond the border of ridiculous. This is actually beyond the border of ridiculous. So, so they think we're going to spend this resources to put this money behind this translation, and we're going to hand this to an Orthodox person. Can What's I say? It? Let me say what I wanted to say. I want to. If an Orthodox, this is a completely hypothetical situation. I want to be very clear about that. But imagine the scenario: the Orthodox Jew is sleeping in bed, and he has a dream, and, and Jesus Christ appears to him and says, "I am the Messiah. Here's the holes in my hands. You must accept me." And this Orthodox Jew wakes up and he's like, what was that? I better go I better go look at the Bible and see what's going on. And he, by some miracle, gets on the Bible gateway and opens up Isaiah 53 and reads it from the Orthodox Jewish translation. He'll say, I just had bad pizza last night. Because he'll read this In and he'll say... In other words, if it was a real revelation, this would take it away. This would take it away. Because he'll read this and he'll say, this sounds like some kind of Christian trying to trick me. That's what it really sounds like. I mean, I'm looking at this translation, and it's a mix of this type of Hebrew and that type of Hebrew and King James English. I would look at this, if you know, or the, this hypothetical, you know, Orthodox Jew would look at this and say, "Well, I know this is deception, so whatever was in my dream can't be true." Mm. And, and, and that's what breaks my heart. That if somebody from the Jewish world or from the non-Jewish world is looking and trying to understand an Orthodox Jewish perspective, or really trying to understand Scripture, and they come across this, they'll either be desperately confused. They'll be misled or they'll say, this just sounds some kind of like like scam by someone who didn't really know what they were doing and didn't do a very good job of scamming. Mm. You know, it's almost like when I was in China and I would buy stuff and, and it would, it would, you know, it would That's look, it would look like a, you know, it would, it would be a counterfeit and it would have the name of the name brand misspelled. <laughs> and I'd look at that and I'd be like, oh, um. Yeah, Gucci, G-U-C-H-I. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to get yeah, that's that a one. Doubt, okay, yeah, yeah. let's move on. You know, like like this is a really re- – I mean this is beyond the – Well, here's what brought – I want to say the other thing. And the reason I, I also bring this up, folks, I hope people look at this and also can get to the point that here we have the word of God in its original language, history, and context. And someone is – they're trying to – whatever it is that they're trying to do, but really it, 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 it it's like uh, it's like having a, a beautiful painting – um, uh, uh, by an, a master artist, that someone says, you know, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna add a little paint over here, and I'm gonna cut this part over there, and then I'm gonna redo this part over here, and then ha- pass it off as Picasso or whatever. <laughs> Look at what they could have legitimately done: is said, we want to have an Israeli come along and translate this in, into English, but with whenever there's a term that's important, we'll stick that Israeli term in. Or have an Ashkenazic Jew do the same thing, mm. and it would have been consistent. But this is clearly done by a Gentile who doesn't really know the difference, and that's mm. where where it becomes absurd. You know, oh. it's really beyond the uh, ludicrous. Okay, now can I go to seventeen? Sure. So um, here's what it says in the NASB: Rouse yourself, arouse yourself, arouse yourself, arouse yourself. O Jerusalem, you have drunk from Yehovah's hand the cup of His anger, and that image is a. Uh, yeah. 
you know, wow. It's, By the way, I just want to point out, which maybe what maybe is the obvious, yeah. we have a series of prophecies here, mm-hmm. many of which begin, not all of them, many of them begin with a double word. Mm-hmm. Verse 12, Anochi, Anochi, mm-hmm. I, I. Verse, and then the next prophecy here, verse 17, Hitori, Hitori, awake, mm-hmm. awake. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, this this is a theme that repeats. We, we read in the first prophecy, if you remember in Isaiah 40, it was Nachamu, Nachamu. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 52, 1 is Uri, Uri. Mm-hmm. Again, a different word for awake, awake. So we have we have mm-hmm. a series of prophecies throughout the section of Isaiah where each prophecy opens up with this this double word. And, and you got to imagine Isaiah in the public square in Jerusalem, and he's preaching, and you know, and he and he gets the people's attention. Su su, you know, that's how he gets by, yeah. by this repeated words. Mm-hmm. It, you know, for me, that brings me into the public square mm-hmm. at hearing the prophet preach. Whew. Um, or seventeen. Is that where we're at? A seventeen. No, no. Okay. There is none to guide her among all the sons she is born. Nor is there, nor is there one to take her by the hand among all the sons she is reared. These two things have befallen you. And I, before I go any further, one of the things that fascinates me about Scripture is when you start dealing with and they start talking about these numbers. Five things of this and six of that. Or seven things of this or eight of that. Two things of this or four of that. You know, and I, I don't know what it's been. Ever since I started reading the Bible, whenever I'd see a number, it would, like, it would slow down. Because I felt like there was going to be some, you know, some great revelation. Okay. It says, these two things have befallen you. Who will mourn for you? The devastation and destruction, famine and sword. And then here comes the word again. How shall I comfort you? Oh, really? That's what you have? How shall I yeah. comfort you? So in Hebrew, it says me, mm-hmm. which is the Hebrew for who. who? And the answer is, Arachamech, I will comfort you. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love it. It's a question and an answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing. So we're going to read one more verse, and then there's a, there's another prophecy that's coming, okay? okay? Your sons have fainted. They they lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net full of the wrath of Yehovah, the rebuke of your God. Now, when it switches to 5112, um, no, no, that's 51.21. You got one verse to No, no, so let me tell you what's interesting. This is why I wanted to say this. So in the, in the NASB, they give us a paragraph marking for 5121. Oh, okay. Instead of at the end of 5121, starting with 5122. It says, therefore, listen to this. Well, what's this? Um, this is either what he just said in verses you know, 20 and, or it's what he's about to say. Mm-hmm. And the way I would read it with the paragraph in the Hebrew is that the this is what he just said. And 22 is a new matter. Okay. So you would say therefore, meaning there, in other words, therefore referring back to Therefore, it. listen to this, mm-hmm. what I just told you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I don't know how it lays it out. Um, I'm actually on my computer here with this. Mm-hmm. In the NIV, if I do something real quick, if I look at 51, one Verse second. 21. 21, do I see them do the same thing? Yes. Therefore, hear this. This started as a break, a new mm-hmm. par- a paragraph back to, rather than mm-hmm. referring back. Um, 5122, now. Thus says your, your, uh, your and then and interesting here, it says, uh, thus says, uh, let's see, oh, your Lord, your Adonai, Yehovah, your God, even your God, Yehovah, your God, who contends? And there's <laughs> how many times does Isaiah use this uh, this uh, reeve? I mean, I don't know. We looked at it one time. I think it was like yeah, four, I don't know. it was a crazy amount of time. But the word reeve again, which means uh, entering into a case, a strife, mm-hmm. 
uh, an argument with somebody. Behold, I've taken out of your hand the cup of reeling. What is reeling? It's bad stuff. It's bad stuff. The chalice of my... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The cup of poison. And the chalice of my anger, you will never drink it again. I love it when he says that kind of thing because I think it means it. I think he means it. Well, so what is the cup of poison? The cup of poison or reeling is symbolically when you are punished by God, you drink his cup. Yes. You drink the cup of his wrath. Mm. And, And what I hear from this is that the clearest sign of the redemption of the Messiah is that there'll be no more suffering. Mm. He's saying you're going to drink from the... You'll, you'll never have to drink from that cup again. And that's really interesting. You know, if you didn't if you didn't know that, like when I read in, you know, in Matthew, yeah. it says, and may this cup pass for me, and I don't have that in my mind, like if... if like that's really a beautiful picture here. The idea that the cup is not going to... You know, in other words, once you get to that place, there won't be any more... You know, he says, may this cup pass for me. There won't be a cup. There's not going to be any cup to drink. That mm. We'll be at the end of that. There won't be any more of this... Uh, the suffering and, and, and pain and strife, etc. Mm. I will put it into the hand of your tormentors who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you. Mm. You have even made your back like the ground and like the street for those who walk over it. So lie down on your stomach. They walk over. Is that Someone will drink the cup, just not you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to your 50, you get your... your 52 your, one. Your third uh, uh, double double thing, awake, worry, awake. Worry. Yes, yeah, how do they say it there? Uri, Uri, Livshi, Uzech, Zion. In modern Hebrew, how would you tell me to awake, awake? Titorer, Titorer. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Yala, Titorer. <laughs> Which is kind of the word he uses in 17. He just uses the uh, imperative. He give you guys a little personal Hitorer. side to this. You know, we, we, start, um, we start early in the morning. Um, I hear, I hear Nehemiah usually sends something to me via Skype saying, I'm awake. <laughs> and that means I'm on my way. <laughs> and by eight o'clock, we're into this. And you know, it's funny because we 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 go through the morning. We try to do one, or we try to do two. We try to take a break. We try to do one. We try to do two. And it really, it really is something. Because like for me, like I told you the other day, Nehemiah. Once we get into this, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a endorphins. You know, it's like when you're. Where you're running. Can I get some of those endorphins? Yeah, right you now? want some of those. I'm like, uh, yeah, you're still with me, brother. Are you still with me? We need you on the wall. We gotta have you on that wall. Man. Do you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> so, listen, so are we awake? Are we good? Yeah, because yeah, uh, he awake. says you're Oh, close. so this is the prophet yeah, speaking to Nehemiah. Yeah. He knew I would come and be tired. So he said, Uri, Uri. Wait, wait. He yeah, can't yeah. be speaking to me because it's feminine. He's saying Uri, Uri to Zion, which yeah. is a woman. Amen. I mean, Amen. The city, a city is feminine in Hebrew. Yeah. Clothe yourself in strength to remind us again. Oh, it's beautiful, O Zion. Clothe yourself in beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. And when, I think you said this in one of the introductions. Did you not say Ir HaKodesh or did you say the, the holy remember. Could be. The holy city? Um, I'll do it in the next one. Yeah, for the uncircumcised. Are we almost done? Do we have more? <laughs> for the uncircumcised and the unclean. Yeah. Will no longer come into you. This is a great image. It's like, look, the city has been used for all of these different people and all these different groups and all these different leaders and, 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 and ones who've tried to rule and trample and do all these terrible things. And it says, listen, I'm just letting you know. There's going to be a time when that's not going to be the case. They're no longer going to come in. Now, is this a controversy for people in your tradition, what we just read, that no uncircumcised will enter into Jerusalem in the future? I, 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 no, I don't know. Did you ever hear this preached in the church? No. Okay. Never heard anyway, it. the parallel people, go look it up. Ezekiel 44, 9, that's your homework. This is what Sovereign Yehovah says. No foreigner uncircumcised in the heart and flesh is to enter my sanctuary, not even the foreigners who live among the Israelites. That's the NIV translation. Go compare a few translations and, and 
post some of your thoughts and comments about that on chemiswell.com or and be international. Yeah. Shake yourself from the dust, rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the <laughs> chains around your neck, O captive daughter. You better say something about fifty-two-two. If you anything, else I love that image. Shake off the dust. The image is a dog. Mm. Say Georgia. Georgia. Georgia gets up and she's covered in dust. And what does she do? She shakes herself the way only a dog can do. Where the entire body, they've actually done this like with slow motion. Like it's something that uh, I love the image. She's shaking the dust off. And then it's remove your collar, oh puppy. You know, mm. remove, you know, take off, take off the bonds from your neck. Mm. This is this actually is the image of a dog, or, or possibly of, of you know of a ox or something. The mm. oxes shake themselves off of dust. I don't actually know. No. Uh-uh. So this is a dog. It's shake a dog. off the dust and take off your collar. Wow. And be free. How long have dogs been around? Um, according to whom? <laughs> <laughs> In the time of Isaiah, would they be walking around the streets? Oh, I mean, they definitely had dogs. We we hear about in um, in in Exodus when the Israelites left Egypt, the dog says, "No dog wet his tongue." And, yeah. and you have the image there. There's all these people moving. I know when somebody walks by, used to walk by my apartment, Georgia would go crazy barking because you're impinging on their. You know, the dog perceives someone's impinging on their territory. Mm-hmm. And the miracle or, or or the honor that the dogs gave was that they didn't bark at the Israelites when they left Egypt. Mm. So dogs have been part of culture in this part of the world for a long time. Mm. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to make a confession. I'm waiting for a verse. And so I would like you to, as long as you don't touch my verse, you can talk about whatever you like. Will you put down your BB gun? <laughs> All right. Verse five. Um, and you I'm, can't touch verse six. No, verse five and six are connected. No, no, no. no. What are you talking what are you about? <laughs> so let's skip into verse five and six. Homework, read verses three and four. Um mm. All right, I'm going to even skip to the end of the verse just to focus on what I want to talk about. Tamid kol hayom shmimenoats, and all and um, perpetually, continually, all day, my name is despised. Wow. Lachen yeda amishmi, therefore my people will know my name. Lachen bayom hahu, therefore on that day, kiani hu hamadaber, for I am he who speaks. Hineni, behold, it is me. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have a comment about this? Because I, I'd well, like so to- I actually talk about this book, talk about this verse in my book, Shattering Conspiracy of Silence, mm-hmm. and it was actually a really important verse for me because there's a rabbinical discussion about this verse that that when I saw this, I'm like, wait, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was it was a passage from the from the midrash, which is writings of rabbis. This one's probably about eleven, twelve hundred years old, and the midrash on Psalms. And they say as follows. Now, this is from a time when it was forbidden to speak God's name in rabbinical tradition. There was a time when it was allowed in rabbinical tradition. This is already well into the period where it's forbidden, even to the point where the average Jew doesn't know what the name is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually told that it's a secret whispered in the ear by rabbi to disciple once every seven years. But if you're the average Jew on the street, the average Israelite, you don't know what the name of God. You know it's Yud Vav but you don't know what the vowels are. Mm-hmm. They become a secret. So they say as follows, the rabbis. They say, why does Israel pray? In this world, but not get answered. And again, if you want the source, go look in Chattering the Spiracy of Silence. I, I bring all the references. Because they do not know the Tetragrammaton, or the Shema Mephorash, the, the name of God. However, in the future world, the Holy One, blessed be he, will inform them of his name. As it is written, and it quotes our verse, Isaiah 52. Therefore, my people will know my name. At that time, they will pray and be answered. As it is written, he will call me and I will answer him. Which is a quote from... Um, Isaiah 52.6 and Psalm 91.15. And this is actually in a section, Midrash on Psalms, on actually on 
it appears. And what's interesting to me about this is the very same rabbis who forbid us to speak his name, who are terrified by that name, they tell us in this world, meaning in the period of exile before the Messiah comes and reigns as king over Israel and brings world peace, we will pray to God and he won't answer us because we don't know his name. But when the Messiah comes and reigns over Israel and then teaches us what his name is, God will tell us himself what his name is. Then the Jews will pray and their prayers will be answered. And I remember encountering this years before and thinking, wait a minute, why don't we just pray in his name? If, if, you know, this, if, if he's not answering us because, mm-hmm. you know, because um, we're not praying in his name. And, and, and the verse that where they got this from, one of the verses is 1 Kings 8.33 where uh, Solomon, and we, we actually brought this when we did the section. It's in Sol- People, I'm not going to even read it. Go look it up. It talks there about confessing God's name um, when you have a problem in prayer. Go, mm. go read that whole prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8, mm. uh, the prayer of Solomon there. So um, so this was a key verse for me in my walk, in my journey, and especially wrestling with this issue of, on the one hand, the tradition and speaking the name. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I've ever told you this. There was a period when I knew that we were supposed to call in God's name. And the issue wasn't that I didn't know how to pronounce it. There was a period when the issue was, oh, that's really terrifying. I've been mm. taught this is the worst blasphemy that could ever be spoken is to speak his name. Mm-hmm. What I know intellectually isn't enough. I'm, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And it took me a, a number of years until finally I said, okay, I want to call, I'm, I'm ready to call his name, but now I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'd have a story, a story to tell. You'll, you'll notice the last few weeks I haven't said much as far as testimony or whatever, but I have a real testimony that's taken place as a result of being here that's really blessed me to the point that uh, I just need to slow down and tell this story. So um, 12 years, 13 years ago, I'm sitting across the place where Yehovah said his name forever. Um, mm-hmm. And I asked Nehemi about this, and he, and, he, and he says, do I have a piece of paper and pencil? If you haven't heard the story, uh, you can look at that. Listen to Open Door series. You can go to a book, His Hollywood Name Revealed Again. You're going to hear about the whole story. And for all these years, I have done what I call um, the process of trying to see it for myself. Though I've heard it, I wanted to understand it for myself. I wanted to see it for myself. I wanted to really internalize it for myself, and I did. And so part of the process with this book, His Hollywood Name Revealed Again, was was a way to not only share it, but to have other people come alongside and share um, with me. And so there was a there was an, an early, uh, an early uh, manuscript that people got a chance to comment on. Etc. And then after that, the book was there and it's been in its third or fourth printing and it's an electronic version on iTunes. And there's all this stuff. And we did the open door series and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And and we did more research. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And oh boy, look, we went back and we went to the library and found more manuscripts. And Nehemiah's there, the Damascus and all. Boy, wonderful. This is great. But I want to tell everyone something. I still struggled because I knew that I knew based on what I had learned as I could look in the manuscripts and I could see it, but I had a huge conflict. And the conflict was, why is it, or is it, that this is something that's not known by my Orthodox brothers and sisters? Nehemiah kind of casually said something. He made a phrase about whether they knew if it was the vows or not. And, and, and one of the things that happened this week, we were at Shabbat at Nehemiah's mother's house, the best Shabbat in all of Jerusalem, because she's got family there and children there. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful experience. If you've never had a chance to be at a a traditional Shabbat at someone's home, it's really, really beautiful. Well, one of the things that happens is you go in the evening on Friday and you have Shabbat. And then if you get invited, and I love, I always love when we get invited to 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 the second meal, the meal in the afternoon on Shabbat. Well, after Shabbat is over, and just bear with me, folks, because this is really important for me. After Shabbat is over, they start passing out books. 
And I know what time it is. We're going to start singing and we're going to start praying. And they pass out the books. And so the little granddaughter, uh, Nehemiah's uh, niece, hands me one of the books and she says, read along and I can read. And David, who happens to be the, a cantor, I believe he's also a cantor. He, you know, at one point he was showing me about the accents, how they're sung and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Another conversation. He begins to lead and everyone is this reading. Is brother-in-law. Everyone's reading in, in Bubby Dina's house and it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And every time we come across the name yud heh David says Adonai, everybody says Adonai. It's, it's no secret. Everybody says Adonai. But when I'm reading, I see... I see the Shiva under the Yud. I see the Holem between the head of the Vav. I see the, the comets under, which are the three vowels and the four consonants. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm looking at this. I know this is not scripture. This is a this is a this is something they're doing at the end of this is a, it's a in a prayer book. Yeah, it's a prayer. It's they're praying. They're doing this thing, and I'm reading it. And finally, I say, you know what? Enough is enough. I've got to have the chutzpah to do this. After we're done, I go up to David and I have a relationship with him now. We're friends. I consider us friends. And I went up to him and I said, David, and I got to tell you something about Nehemiah's family that is hilarious. There's no such thing as having a conversation with one of them. If you speak to one of them, you're speaking to everyone. So I go to David and I say, David, I, I, I'm the foreigner. David, Solomon said that with the foreigner, he prayed and he said that the foreigner would come and he would raise his hands and he would pray towards this place and he would speak and you, Yehovah, would answer. I said, David, I'm not Jewish. I'm not interested in converting. I love the name Yehovah, but I've got an issue. I'm watching you lead everyone in this prayer and you're clearly reading and you've come across the name yud Hey vav Hey, four consonants, three vowels, at least seven to ten times. What's in your mind? Now, at this point, it's not a conversation between me and David anymore. Bubby Dina is over there and she, she, she's, she's perking up and, 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 and <laughs> Meira, his wife, has come over and she's, she's perking the up. The sister. And they come over and David says to me, he says, when I see that name, I know to say to Adonai. I said, David, if it was okay for you to actually say the name, how would you read it? Now, you guys got to understand something. This is a different question. This is not a question about, does he have a name? What's his, how is his name pronounced? My question is this. As it is printed with the consonants and vowels, how would you read it? Would you know how to read it? He says, no question I would know how to read it. In fact, I'd read it just the way it's printed here. Listen to this. He's saying with those four consonants and three, four, those three vowels, he would read it if you know how to read Hebrew. He would read it as it's printed. And then here comes Miera, because you don't have one conversation with a Gordon. When you're talking to the Gordons, you're talking to the whole family. And so Bubby Dean is like, Keith, I mean, of course, this is the situation. She starts talking, you know, and then Miera comes and she says, Keith, you have to understand. And I get the chills. Can, can I talk? Please. Is it okay? Sure. No, I, I literally have testify. I have goosebumps because she comes over and her husband's there and the children are there. These are Orthodox people. Can I say that? Yeah, These are Orthodox Jewish people. And she says, Keith, you do know that the name is based on the present tense vowel. What? No, wait, wait, wait. Present tense verb. No, no, the pre- present tense. No, because at this point, you guys, I'm listening to David who's telling me, absolutely, that's the way we'd read it. She comes over. She says it's based on the present tense verb. And then she says the present tense verb. But then she doesn't stop there. She says, so his name is Yehovah. And there was silence. Because the husband is there. 
and the wife is there and the and and the grandma's there who was who's who's her, her husband who was a rabbi who's now passed on and Nehemiah is over in the corner with his head in his hands we've just had the proclamation of the name Yehovah on Shabbat in a house and nobody in the room questions the pronunciation it i ran out of the room did i get excited Nehemiah got up and walked out of the house. i walked out of the house <laughs> And let me tell you why I got excited, folks. And I want, I'm sorry for my excitement. This has been 13 years for me. There's no question in my mind based on the manuscripts for what we have. And it's my understanding as I've talked to many people. I've never even shared some of these stories. How many people I've interacted about this. But what was so beautiful to me about this, this isn't a matter of if, there, if there's a pronunciation. This was a matter of rabbinic rule. What they were saying is, look, we don't pronounce it. But as it pertains to what you see there, Mr. Johnson, as you're reading the Hebrew, yud heh vav with those three vowels and four consonants, no question in our mind, how this is how you pronounce it. You pronounce it this way. And she went so far as to say it. Yehovah. Now, there was a little bit of a tension. <laughs> what was the tension? The tension was, everyone stopped. It's like, wait, you're not supposed to say. She says, but to teach, I can, to teach, I can actually share this name. And the husband said, well, not, not really. Not he said, really. He said you but grandma, grandma, Bubby Dina said, no, you can do that. And in the long story short is, and I want to say in sensitivity, it was a blessing. They've invited me to come back and talk to them. And I hope to do this, to talk to them and let them share about the significance of this, the importance of this. But folks, all this argument about Yihah, Wahoo and Yahweh, and all, you know, all that stuff. That's fine. That's good. That's fine. But for me, what was the, ble- the blessing of it was one to open the manuscript for myself. To read it for myself, to see it, even apart from Nehemiah. Nehemiah would say, Keith, here are the keys. <laughs> Go drive the car. And you know what? That's what it's been about. People getting a chance to get this information themselves. But I'm not a person that lives in Jerusalem. I don't always get around people like this. And I would never just go up to some Orthodox Jewish rabbi and say, come on, tell me right now. Is it Yahweh? Is it, is it Yahweh? No, I would never do that. This was a process over years where I could then go to him and say, in humility, could you answer this question? And he answered it with such confidence. And then, of course, Nehemiah threw a little more fire on the, uh, he won't. He probably won't confess this. He threw a little more fire on the, uh, on the, uh, the blazing, uh, what do you call inferno? it? Inferno. The inferno. <laughs> so after it's all said and done and I'm having my Holy Ghost moment, yes, it was a Holy Ghost moment. Nehemiah says to him, so when you hear the name Yahweh, what do you think? He's like, well, I'm not moved by it. I don't think that's <laughs> so, I mean, it really, I just have to say. That was that was a testimony for well, me. Well, he, he said, well, that's not it. You know, that, that's, that, that's not said, I've heard people say that, but that's not God's And name. the point was, you guys, the point was this, is yeah. that it was printed as Yehovah. His wife said it as Yehovah. He acknowledged that he, he understands what it is. He doesn't pronounce it. But there was not an issue of debate regarding pronunciation. And like I said, just for me, it was a beautiful experience to actually be amongst people who do know it as a matter of fact. Nehemia, they do know it as a matter of fact. Right. It's not, and, and I never really questioned that. You know, I talk about how I discovered it. Yeah. My issue was I had been told by every scholar who was ever, you know, in the world, mm-hmm. the top professors at Hebrew University, that, you know, your brother-in-law and your sister and everybody who thinks they know it's Yehovah, they don't know what they're talking about because really those are the vowels of Adonai. And for me, the discovery was to en- encounter Yehovah actually in the Hebrew manuscript. So that whole issue. Amen. So it wasn't just, oh, you know, um, this is how, you know, you know, Everybody who reads Hebrew thinks it is. I've got it in the Hebrew manuscripts. Amen. And my challenge to people is show me Yahweh in the Hebrew manuscripts. Show me Yahuwuhu. Uh, and we actually came across uh, some evidence that 
There's stronger evidence that the name is Yuhuvuhu, no joke. <laughs> I've said this is a joke before, but it turns out there's stronger evidence for Yuhuvuhu than there is for Yahweh. Yeah, doesn't mean it's Yehovah. It's still Yehovah, but yeah. well, anyway, I just have to say again, anyway. I want to thank you for inviting me to actually not only do this with yeah. you here in Jerusalem, but to be here amongst the people, to be with people, to share with them, to be in the to be in a home yeah. uh, during Shabbat, and and again, I, I I did I did that in sensitivity, and I think that they would say that that was also done in sensitivity, but it was a really beautiful testimony. How amazing and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news regarding his name. Yeah, so are you jumping to the next verse? Next verse. <laughs> Read verse 7. Yeah. al-Haharim. How wonderful, how pleasant, beautiful upon the mountains. The feet of the one who brings the good news. Mm-hmm. The feet of the evangelist. And that's mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. Um, now here, remember we had it in a different passage. It was mm-hmm. feminine, mm-hmm. This is mevaser. This is the masculine, mm-hmm. the bard, the, the evangelist, the guy spreading the good news. Wow. Yeah. The feet of the one who good, brings good news. Mashmiya shalom, who makes heard the peace. Mevaser tov, who, make, who announces the good news. Um, and there you have mevaser, which actually it could be bad news, but mm-hmm. he adds the word good, tov. Mashmiya mm-hmm. yeshua, who makes heard, who makes known yeshua, salvation. Omer Litzion, he says to Zion, Malach your mm. king has reigned, has mm. begun to reign, mm. um, to rule as king. Mm. The, it's the verb of the word melech. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty cool passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, I want to ask you this. So we've got here this Mivaser, he's coming and telling Zion that the king is born, or that the king is born, excuse me, the king has begun to reign. Um, who is the king in this passage? Mm. And says to Zion, your God reigns, he's the king. Jehovah is Your king. God, yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting. We drive around Jerusalem and you see this. You see, I, I brought this up before. I, I, I don't know why, why this hits me in such a such a interesting way. But where it will say, and it'll, it'll have the hey, and it'll be for Hashem, the name. Yeah. Um, you know, he's king forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's, on the, that's bumper sticker right. material. Now, now we got to talk here about, we've got two things. I mean, we've got three things here that, you know, mm. We've got this this evangelist, the Mivasel, the one who mm-hmm. brings the good news. We've got God is King, and in the same verse we have Mashmia Yeshua, mm-hmm. who makes heard. The, what do you have there for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, Mashmiya yeah. Yeshua. Yeah, so so it's uh, verse seven. It's the third verse, verse seven says, uh, "Who announces salvation?" You have yeah, who announces and literally salvation. it's Mashmia Yeshua. He makes heard the Yeshua, mm-hmm. the salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've talked about this before. How the name Yeshua is Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah saves. Mm-hmm. And that's different than this this word that we see here, which is Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And you might say, oh, one's Yeshua and one's Yeshua. That's just a difference of emphasis. It's actually spelled differently in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. The words are obviously related. Mm-hmm. Um, no question they're related. Um, but there's actually a slightly different word. Um, what you wouldn't legitimately be able to say is, oh, the, the name Yeshua, Jesus, is in this verse. Because mm-hmm. no, it's the word Yeshua, salvation. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and yeah, but it's but definitely we're talking about God's salvation. Mm-hmm. It's you know it, what, what man. <laughs> yeah. I love how I love how Hebrew sounds. You know, uh, yeah. y- you know. Ah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those two words together, uh, who announces and then salvation. You know, you have the you have the noun and you have a uh, you have this. Uh, this uh, participle together, and I was actually thinking, you know, you know, before we saw uh, Moshiach, we yeah. have a you'd, you'd have a. Yeah. Um, can this be the word of the week, Yeshua? Did we do this one before? I don't think we did. Go ahead. I think we did Moshia. It's, it's a noun. Moshia is the participle, and this is the abstract noun. Yeshua is Yud Shin Vav Ayin He, 
And it, the root is three-letter root, yud, shin, ayin, salvation. Yud, shin, vav, ayin, hey is salvation. Mm. And, um, and and so, if, you know, when I've talked to people, I said, do you know what the name Yeshua means? They'll say his name means salvation. That's only a half-truth. And think about my name, Nehemiah. It's Yah Comfort. Yeshua is Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah saves. Um, the word Yeshua, this word here with the hey at the end, it's not the same mm. as his name, um, actually does mean salvation. Mm. Um, it's what we would call an abstract noun. And the word appears again in verse 10, Yeshuat Eloheinu. It has that at at the end. That mm-hmm. at replaces the of the hey, mm-hmm. and it means of. Just like mm-hmm. you say Torah mm-hmm. is the Torah, but then you say Torah Moshe is the Torah of Moshe. Mm-hmm. That, that at replacing the kamate means of. Mm-hmm. So Yeshuat Eloheinu, the salvation of our God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the word of the week, Yeshua, Yeshuat, salvation, Hopefully, salvation Hopefully, folks, of. you understand exactly what Nehemiah said. Yeah. Because uh, you're, you're applying you're applying this information. It's it really it really is powerful to be able to look at that word and to know what that word is. And and I mean not not just to have heard from someone. Yeah. Did you know that his name is this? No, but you can actually look and see it for yourself. Yeah. Um, now now what do you want to do here, Nehemiah? Because we, I just want to take the last three words of verse eight. It says Bishuv Yehovah Zion when Yehovah returns to Zion. <laughs> I love that. And, and I'll be honest with you, there are Jews who will read this and say, Wait a minute. God left. God's going to return? No, 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 no. We're, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. But all of a sudden, we're talking about God returning. And definitely, the, there is this concept in, in, in the Tanakh and in the Jewish thought. Well, I only have the NASB, and it doesn't say that. It says restores. Oh, really? So it literally says in Hebrew? And I'm looking at it. It says Beshuv. Beshuv. When Whoa! Beshuv is to return. I love that. When Yehovah returns that. to Zion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what does you have? How do you translate no, it? No, it says when it's in NASB. When the Lord restores Zion. Yeah, oh, yeah. so he's doing... He's, that's that would be Behashiv Yehovatzion. Uh-huh. That would be the Hefiel. This is the the, the Kal. Uh-huh. Yehovatzion. When Yehovah returns, I wonder if there's any translations that have the correct reading there. What verse is this again? Uh, this is fifty two eight. It'd be great eight. to find some. Now I'm going to go pull up these translations because now, now you've challenged me. No, of course. Um, the Lord, okay, so the JPS, the J, the Jewish Publication Society says, "For every eye shall behold the Lord's return to Zion." The yeah, Lord's a capital. Yehovah's return to Zion. Amen. Um, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion, NRSV, NASB, which is the one you're doing, mm-hmm. um, when the Lord restores Zion. So why was the NASB refor- afraid? What about the NIV? Yeah, I don't know. But why was the NASB afraid of Yehovah returning to Zion? Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know the answer to that. They will, uh, when the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. No problem in the NIV. Mm-hmm. Only the NASB seems to have a problem with God returning to Zion. Isn't that <laughs> interesting? What's going on with that? Wow. All right. Well, anyway, the, the understanding, the Jewish understanding here is that the Shekhinah, we've talked about this, as you, you know, as they mm. say in Christianity, the Shekhinah glory or the Shekhinah, the indwelling of Yehovah's spirit of his name in Jerusalem yep. has left and it will return one day to Zion. And at Amen. that time, you will, you know, you'll see the fire coming down from, from heaven and consuming the sacrifices. I don't know what you'll see. But you'll know that the, the, the Shekhinah has returned. Mm. And that's what it's talking about, Yehovah returning to Zion. Um, everyone's going to see it. And I'm going to tell you something. When that happens, there's going to be a breaking forth of joy. There's going to be shouting. There's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be, whoa, it says break forth. Shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For Yehovah, here comes the word again, Nehemiah. He's Nehemiah his people. Nehemiah his people. He's comforted his, his people. people. He's redeemed Jerusalem. And boy, what a great phrase. Yehovah has bared his holy arm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> in, the, in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. Everyone, depart, depart. Go out from there. Go out from where? Touching nothing unclean. Go out of the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of Yehovah. And then, you know, we got to have a minute, a minute at the end, but you will not go out in haste, nor will you go as fugitives 
For Yehovah will go before you. That reminds me of the angel, the, the pillar of cloud, mm-hmm. you know, that went before the people. Yep. And the God of Israel, of course it does. Will be will be it's your exact image. Will be your will, will be your rear guard. Yeah. You know, um, we we had a little conversation. Can I bring in a conversation? Sure. Is it all right? Because this is a little bit of a ministry minute. And if you've been listening to Prophet Pearls, can I get a name in? Raise your arm. Raise your hand if you've been listening to Prophet Pearls. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You've been listening for how many weeks? How many months? How many times? And Hemi and I were going to going. We were eating, and it started out with a little bit of a conflict. We were eating lunch together <laughs> down in uh, down in uh, wherever we were, and uh, we ordered. Uh, he picked the restaurant, of course. Then he also paid. Uh, he he picked the restaurant for lunch, and we wanted to eat. Uh, what do you call them? Schnitzel. Schnitzel. And so we have we have schnitzel, and I'm sitting there, and I'm so excited. I I, I ordered my schnitzel in Hebrew. I was all excited. You know, I mean, I was all excited. I ordered my schnitzel bavaksha. Schnitzel bavaksha. chips, please. And so, so give me some chips. And so I went up to the restroom, That's and right. I came back, yeah. and I come back, and 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 there's the there's the meals, and there's Nehemiah's meal, and there's my meal, and Nehemiah. <laughs> I said, Anilomivim. Lama, <laughs> your schnitzel's twice the size. He had this chicken. It was literally twice. I had a double portion. He had a double portion, and you had a single. And portion. I had a single portion. <laughs> and you were jealous, and I was oh. jealous. And I and I, I I thought to myself, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So I called the mitli, uh, the Melzerit, and I had him come over, Waitress, and I said, Look, yeah. look at look at this. This isn't fair. What's going on here? And you know, we, we were <laughs> and the manager came out and he looked at me and he says, Who's so deck? He's right. <laughs> and they gave him a double portion. <laughs> and they gave me the double portion. I'm like Elijah. I just want a double portion. <laughs> That's not what it says. <laughs> Look, I'm a little giddy, folks. But we were talking, we were we, we got done and we were talking. And and we had this conversation about how, how long we've been working on this. And and Nehemiah, you know, he started <laughs> He's the accountant. Well, I figure it's been three hours per episode, and then he starts counting his head. Fifty-four episodes, hundred fifty plus hours, <laughs> and I'm thinking plus about actually doing it. So it's over two hundred yeah, hours. Yeah, two hundred hours and three. And, you know, and I, as I said, I read through this three times, and it really is. It is. It is humbling. But folks, this has been a lot of work. It really has been a lot of work. And and one of the things he brought up that I really appreciated, he said, you know, we decided we're going to make this available to everyone. Mm-hmm. No one has to register. No one has to pay. No one has to do anything. And I'm sure some of you are like. And here comes the ministry minute. They're going to talk again about that. They want some. And you know what? I just, I fell under, I, Nehemiah. We fell under. I, no, I got some chutzpah. Okay. Because I thought to myself, so what are we doing? We're, we're basically bringing everything that we have to the table and making it available to people. And I know there's a whole lot of people that are listening right now that are not a part of the premium content library. I know there are a whole lot of people that are not a part of your support team. Mm -hmm. But I know those people also get to reap the benefits of what we're doing. And you know what I want to ask people to do? I literally want to ask people to do this. At the end of this show, I want you to go to NehemiahsWall.com or to McCore Hebrew Foundation or to make a phone call. I want you to give them specific information on this recording. And I want you to support uh, what Nehemiah is doing. I want you to, and and I'm not saying just pray about it. I, no, I want to be really clear. I want you to call up and say to Deb, who's the person that's in charge there, listen, how can I bless the ministry? And, and, and you know what? 
and I can say with a clear conscience as we're rolling toward the end of this, this has been a, this is this has not been an easy thing. This has been this has been a labor of love. It has been a, a true labor of love. And I don't want you to say it. I'll say it for myself. Then after you get done doing that, I want you to give the double portion to the BFA. And whatever you give <laughs> to Nehemia, whatever you give to Nehemia, I need the double schnitzel. I need you to call up. I need you to call up Karen at the phone number. I need you to go to BFAinternational.com. And I'm telling you, You're right I here, folks. Double I, schnitzel. Listen, <laughs> I need you on the wall. I want you on the wall. No, it's amazing. And I can say this with fun. Nehemi and I, we, t- we taunt each other back and forth because we really haven't done this before. We have not really ventured out and said we need those supporters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we really do. We really do need those supporters. There's some things mm-hmm. we're talking about even now. Mm-hmm. Don't know how it's all going to work. But what we have done up to this point, I feel good about. What we are doing, I feel good about. And I really want to challenge you. We've got a few more left. We've got about five or six of these left. Each week, would you do me a favor? Contact McCore Hebrew Foundation. Contact BFAinternational.com. Become a member of Premium Content. That's going to help us produce more, do more. If you can't do that, make a one-time donation, whatever you do. But that's that's sort of my way of saying I, I kind of want to see people respond. I really do, Nehemia. Yeah. I want to see people respond because I think people do appreciate what we've done. Yeah, and, and, you know, what we were talking about in the conversation is how... Uh, each of us, you know, what we have out there is is probably hundreds of hours, oh, hundreds of material for free, no commitment, nothing, and 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 you know, you've got the premium content library. I've got the support team, and, and at least you know, for me, that's for people who support the ministry, and and it's those people that allow me to put the the other information out exactly. for free. Exactly. If it weren't for those people. There wouldn't be, you know, well, hundreds of hours of stuff for no free. No free airplane rides. No, the, we wouldn't. Even would, where we're at right now is costing. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're sitting here in yeah. the safe house and we've made fun of it. You've made fun of it. But yeah, absolutely. This had to be paid for. And, absolutely. And, um, coming you know, out of my end of the deal. What are you talking about? No, he, he keeps the pennies. He lets me know. What, look, he, look, he asked me to give the tip. He said, you pay the tip. <laughs> He's paying for lunch and I'm paying for the tip. I never heard of such a thing. No, because you can't put it on the card. It yeah, is right. right. I don't let you do that. Yeah, it's put it on a credit card. And that credit card has to be paid off. So <laughs> exactly. The ministry credit card. So, yeah. so um, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and one more thing. I, I do want to ask people out there, you know, whatever, even if you can't give a penny, you know, please pray for us because we need help. We're, we have some things planned in the future, Keith, at his ministry and me and my ministry, and then some joint projects. And for those things to be successful, it takes not only resources, it takes the good grace of Yehovah. And so please pray for us to have the protection, for us to have the, the strength, for us to have the um, the fortitude to plow, plow forward and do this despite the naysayers, despite all the negativity, despite the entire websites dedicated to, to bashing us. <laughs> please pray for us. That's really, really what we need is your prayers. Yeah. And, you know, I just... Oh boy, it's so much late to end on a spiritual note, Nehemiah. But I'm just not going to do it. You, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're have to pray. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal. I want I want to be clear again. I want to be really clear again. Can I say this? I don't know. We actually need their help. Amen. We, we you know we have these ministry minutes and we're trying to be really nice about it. But I can just say based on where we're at right now, and, and this is August. In terms of what we're trying to do to provide people as at the end of this uh, t- uh, profit pearls uh, portions of uh, this cycle, th- there's some pretty amazing things that are going to be coming, and we do really do need your help. So please, mm-hmm. please, please uh, take this serious. Uh, go to both both ministries and do what you can to help us so that we can continue to do what we what we believe we call, we're called to do, and that's to give people a chance to have the interaction with the Word of God. I want to end with a bonus. Wonderful. Can we end with the bonus? Yes. Isaiah 53. And we're not going to do the whole section. We don't have time. But I just want to say two things. One is I want to share what I, I've learned in my research about Isaiah 53. 
and and just and just we'll probably maybe one day we'll do a special about this. But just I'm just going to give a little taste here. I don't see how we can do it. How we can <laughs> read up right up to those 853. I tell you, what, let's have them go and make the donations, and then you do Isaac. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm <laughs> so, so he, he, if we were having a debate, yes, and I had to win the debate, or I'd, I'd get persecuted. This is how it was in, in the Jewish history. I would say this is referring to Israel. And no matter what you did, no matter what stops you pulled, the verses and the Septuagint, whatever you pulled, my you'd be wanting to say this is Jesus Christ, and I would be wanting to say this is Israel, and that would be the the um, the, the dialogue of the debate. And really, if there was any opening for this not to be Jesus, you wouldn't share that. You wouldn't be able to. And if there was any opening for this not to be Israel, we wouldn't have that conversation. But here's the interesting thing: in Jewish sources outside of the debate, just searching for truth. I found four distinct interpretations of this passage, Isaiah 53. Hmm. Number one, of course, is Israel. And that probably is the most widespread interpretation. But I also found Jewish sources. I'm, when I say Jewish, I mean real Jewish, not Messianic. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I found Jews who said, yes, this is referring to the Messiah, possibly the Messiah of the house of Joseph who gets killed. The whole chapter or the verses? The whole chapter, the Isaiah whole chapter. 53. Okay. And actually, even the, the closing verses of 52. In other words, in the Jewish understanding, and I think even in the Christian understanding, this starts in 52.13 and goes to 53.12. That's a single unit of prophecy mm-hmm. um, or a single theme. Um, so we've got Israel, the Messiah of the house of Joseph. Number three is the righteous among Israel, meaning a subset among Israel who suffers for the rest of Israel. And uh, number four, really interesting to me, is that it refers to a specific historical figure in the past who is usually identified as Jeremiah. <laughs> it's really interesting. And there are Jews who have written whole commentaries on this chapter and um, argued word by word, verse by verse, how this is referring to Jeremiah, how it's referring to a, group, a subgroup within Israel, how it's referring to the Messiah of the house of Joseph, how it's referring to all of Israel. And all of those are, have been legitimate interpretations in Jewish history. You won't hear that in the debate, or maybe you'll hear it from the Christian side, and then the Christians will say, well, this proves it's Jesus. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that it doesn't, that doesn't prove that one way or the other. It um, it proves that there that this is a here's what it really proves this is a really difficult passage and I and I did this a few years back I had a friend who was a messianic rabbi and he asked me he said Nehemi would you teach me this passage in the original Hebrew and I really debated and struggled with this because there have been people out here who say you know, Nehemi what he does he takes people in the back room and convinces them why not to believe in Yeshua and I said I'll do this only on the condition that we make it very clear you don't try to convince me this wasn't Keith you don't try to convince me to believe in Jesus from this passage and I won't try to convince you not to we'll just read it honestly as we can from the Hebrew and what we found is that there's whole verses here whole, whole phrases definitely where it's not entirely clear what the Hebrew means now, if you're trying to have a debate with someone, you can't admit that. You have to say, I know what everything means. Here's what this means and here's what that means. Yeah, you can force a meaning on it. But if you were totally honest, if you had no background of what this is supposed to refer to, whether it was supposed to refer to Israel or supposed to refer to the Messiah or, or even a Jeremiah or a subgroup of Israel, you'd read this as a Hebrew reader and you'd come, you'd read a passage and you'd be like, or certain phrases at least, and you'd be like, I have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. That's the honest truth. One verse which is really clear and I think everybody agrees on, and maybe not everybody, but all the sources I've interacted with, they all agree that Isaiah 53.12 is a prophecy for the future which has not been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Let me read you the King James Version. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. 
And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And, it, and, and the way this is understood by most sources, the ones I've interacted with, is that this is a promise for the future. That this figure, whether he's Jeremiah, whether he's the Messiah, whether he's Israel, whether he's a subgroup in Israel, in the end times, when everything is set right, then the, the enemies will be defeated and the spoils, spoils is this military term, you defeat the enemy and you take the spoils. He's going to divide up the spoils among the many. NIV, therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Who are these strong? I guess are the people who sided with um, whoever the figure is in Isaiah 53. Um, and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made, this is the NIV, remember, and, uh, and made uh, intercession for the transgressors. Let me read you the JPS, the Jewish Publication Society Can I translation. Read it? Sure, please. Assuredly, I will give him the many as his portion. He shall receive the multitude as his spoil. For he exposed himself to death and was numbered among the sinners, whereas he bore the guilt of the many and made intercession for sinners. Yeah. Okay. So I want to focus on common ground. That's what I've always talked about. Not always, but uh, that's what I we've tried to focus on is, is the common ground. Um, and certainly in the last number of years, uh, last 10 or 15 years, I've been all about the common ground. Um, and the common ground we have here is that this is a figure that will happen in, in the future, whether it's a figure who has been and will be back, or it's a figure who will be entirely in the future and he'll complete the, mi- the ministry, the mission in verse 12 of Isaiah 53. Was that, wow, yeah. I mean, I don't know how somebody could argue. And I've actually spoken to one Christian from China who had never met a Jew before, and he was convinced, no, this has already been fulfilled. All right, whatever. I don't know how you could say he will. Div- I will divide the spoil among, uh, among the many, um, or even the many as the spoils. How that? I mean, it seems to me to refer to the end times war. Okay. Anyway, um, long story short, I really think that we should focus on the common ground. And if the one who divides the spoil, whether in the future it's it's the return Jeremiah, or whether it's the Messiah of the house of Joseph, or whether it's the Messiah of the house of David. We will all see that and we'll see, wow, this, the prophet spoke truth when it mm-hmm. happens. And I want, can I end with the prayer about well, that? Before you, before you end with the yeah. prayer, I think one of the things that I've, that I've always appreciated is um, when we do look at a passage like this, and you know, yeah. this, like you say, this is a bonus section. Yeah. You look at a passage like this, it, I've really been, been, uh, been discouraged by the, the debates to be honest. Yeah. Um, because I do think there's this idea that says we can't give an inch because if we give an inch, you'll take a mile. Um, but yep. what I hear, what I hear you saying, and I just want to say this to just to be clear that there are some parts of this, this passage, there are some parts of Isaiah 53 where you wouldn't necessarily go and say, I know hundred percent, this is what it is by language, history, and context. There's room for interpretation. Yeah. And, and, and I Absolutely. think that room for interpretation gives room for people in their journey and for people, even in their places of faith that, that they can, they can find out where there's connection when there isn't. And when there isn't, they can say there's not. But when there is, they can ride that horse until... Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and, and I think here's another thing you can say about this figure in Isaiah 53. Whether it is Israel or whether it is the Messiah mm-hmm. or whether it's uh, you know, a subgroup of Israel or you know, the four interpretations, that he starts out or they start out, um, things don't go too well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an understatement I know for, for some mm-hmm. interpretations. But no matter what your interpretation, there's a lot of suffering to begin with. And in the end, there's victory. Mm-hmm. And that's verse 12, the victory. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that really, you know, as someone who's kind of been the underdog myself, that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. You know, that there will be this, um, this image of victory in the end. There will be this, you know, things will start out really bad. This is a person who will be sick. He'll be suffering based on certain readings of it. Um, he'll be rejected, but in the end, there will be victory and dividing up the spoils of the many or among the many. 
that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, so I, I started out saying that the rabbi skipped this portion because it didn't give them comfort, and I think that's too bad because I think that one can find a lot of comfort in this passage. Amen. It ends true? on a happy note, and the happy note is dividing up the spoils among the many, mm-hmm. um, and may that be soon. So I'm going to end in prayer. Okay. Yehovah Malkenu, Yehovah our King, Yehovah, I pray that you reveal your holy arm, your strength. Before the eyes of all the nations, Yehovah, I pray that that Yeshuat Eloheinu, the Yeshua of our God, the salvation of our God, be seen to the ends of the earth. Yehovah, I pray that you awake your people, and you wake all those who who deep in their heart they they yearn for God, whether they understand you or don't understand you, whether they know your name or don't know your name. That you awaken them, and they arise and they shake off the dust of tradition. And they take off the collar of, of man-made religion and they, and they, and they come towards you. They, they return like a dog to his owner. And they come to you and they, and they embrace you, Yehovah. And they, and they call upon your name. Mm. And they love your name. And they love your Torah, Yehovah. I pray that they hear the good news of your salvation. And they hear that Yehovah has returned to Zion. Mm. Your God has begun to reign as king. May this be soon. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com.